Hey, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host, Sean Dietrich, and we are coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radios all over the nation. This music you're fixing here behind me right now is Barefoot Movement, everybody. Barefoot Movement. Ladies and gentlemen, she's been playing this fiddle and singing her heart out all night. This is Noah Wall. Give her up.
I'm going to read you a little bit of our mail this evening. A little bit of our mail sent in to us from listeners all over the country. Good people, small town people, people who had nothing better to do than to put pen to paper and give us some of their sentiments. Peter Rycock, area Pennsylvania. Dear Sean, I am a grandfather this week. My daughter-in-law had a beautiful boy who looks like he's going to be a handful just like my son was. He was a large baby, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid to say he's inherited our family girth. We are big people. We are not small by any shape of the imagination. I am on cloud nine. I am on cloud nine. I always wondered what it would feel like to be a grandpa. Now, I know. Danica Haynes, Lincoln, Nebraska. You should come to Nebraska sometime, Sean. We are one of the most misunderstood states in the union. You see all sorts of other states on TV. They get all the press and all the news. But few people actually talk about how cool Nebraska is. But we are cool. I assure you that. We have it all here. We have rural stuff and big cities and scenery that will take your breath away. We are the kind of folks you tell stories about. So let me know when you're here in Nebraska someday in the future. And I'll get my husband to show you around and I will cook for you and your wife. Love, Danica Haynes. Will Bruton, Montgomery, Alabama. I have a cousin who decided he's going to invent his own sport once. I'm serious. He was going to be famous because of this sport. He had high aspirations. He called it wall ball. And wall ball was played with a tennis ball thrown at a brick wall with chalk outlines of circles and stars and squares on it. It never caught on because it was, quite frankly, a stupid game. (laughs) After his disappointment of this thing, not making it, he gave up and he went into real estate. And now, I'm sorry to say, he's almost a millionaire. (laughs) He makes me look bad whenever we go out to eat because he's just that kind of a guy. He's a big old dork. Today is his birthday. Please wish my cousin Rick a happy birthday and tell him I will never ever, not as long as I live, let him forget about wall ball. (laughs) Dear Will, tell your cousin Rick happy birthday from everybody here tonight. Aaron Carson, Marietta, Georgia. I'm 36 and learning how to play the piano for the first time in my life, and I have finally realized that this is a hard instrument to play. My mother used to play in church every week, and I just thought it was kind of easy to do since she's the one who did it. After all, she was just mom. But I'm here to tell you the piano is not easy. It's very hard to move all your fingers separately, but at the same time. I went to my mother's house for a lesson this week because I was just not getting it. And she sat beside me, and I realized what an incredible, incredible person my mother is. She is so incredible. Is it possible to look at your parents with fresh eyes, the eyes of an adult, and see them for what kind of person they actually are? I believe it is. It's just taken me a long time to do that. I'm still learning to play, and I'm still learning how to be an adult. I'm so grateful my mom has agreed to help me play. Farrell Berkshire, Hood River, Oregon. Sean, I was on a boat yesterday, and I saw the most incredible thing. A white dove came flying through the air and landed on the side of the boat, 
and it had blades of grass in its mouth. Have you ever seen anything like that before? I have not. I could hardly believe it. It was like the Noah's Ark story in real life. Do you believe in signs and wonders from above? I think I do now. Anyway, thanks for the show. I listen all the way up here in Oregon. Your friend Noah and his ark. No, I'm just kidding. Farrell Berkshire. All the best. Dan Armerton, Lawrence, Kansas. I was walking to my granddaddy's old farmhouse yesterday out in central Kansas. And I was working out there. And while I was inside his house, I was overcome with history. You know, there are a lot of stories I don't know about him. But I could just feel them in that house. It was thick and real and so moving for me to think of all that his generation survived. They're going to tear down his house, and that makes me sad. But I guess future progress takes everything sooner or later. I got a small piece of the floorboards from what used to be his bedroom. And this means a lot to me because something knowing about this piece of wood was in his bedroom every night when he went to sleep during his childhood, his teenage years, and his adulthood, at least some of it. And it makes me feel like he's with me. Just having it in there. Keep up the good show. We love to listen to your stuff. Your faithful listener out here in Kansas. Dan. Presley, Canyon, Texas. There's a guy I met who's a cool guy that tells stories. And all you got to do to get him going is just start talking to him. And he will open up his mouth and let it fly. He's old, but his stories are good. And it just occurred to me. That storytelling is a rare art, and it's disappearing in our age. Anyway, I think I'm going to work on a few stories of my own, and I'm going to start learning how to tell them, hopefully in an entertaining way. That's all I wanted to say, your buddy Presley. Dear Presley, good luck telling the story to all those who are near you. Zeke Dyson, South Lake Tahoe, California. My mother is a woman who is originally from Georgia, who will be turning 68 this week. She is my best friend, my best friend. We have been through a lot together. We both listen to your show on weekends when I come back home from being away from work, for work. She cooks something nice, usually cornbread or biscuits, and we listen. And she likes to pretend that she's back home in Georgia, even just for a few minutes at a time. Thanks. For wishing her happy birthday on your show if you can. Her name is Petra. Dear Petra, happy birthday from everybody here tonight. Happy, happy birthday. Mallory, Jacksonville, Florida. Sean, after my divorce, I was, I was lost. I was real lost. I had my two kids with me and they depended on me for everything. And I was just totally without confidence. I was not the me I think I was supposed to be. Really, I was like half of me. Or, no, I was more like one-third of me. To make a long story short, because I know you don't have all the time in the world. My neighbor at the time was an older man who liked to mountain bike and run and play sports. And he was just the kind of guy who lived life to the fullest. And he offered once to babysit my kids. And I took him up on it. He kind of became a part of our lives. 
He even invited us over to his house and he cooked dinner for us and stuff. And he brought me back to life again. He's been like the father I never had and a grandfather that my kids will never have. We are so close now. And I'm just wanting to tell you that good people still exist because I am proof of their byproduct. His goodness to me made me what I am right now in this moment. I'm getting married in the fall, and God willing, my neighbor Tony is going to be there to give me away. Thank you for reading my letter. Love, Mallory. Dear Mallory, as my father used to say during weddings, congratulations to the groom, and good luck to the bride. Your friend Sean Dietrich. And that's letters from our listeners. We're going to have another tune here from Barefoot Movement, everybody. Barefoot Movement. Thank you. We're going to turn it over to him, Mr. Alex Connerly from Hattiesburg, Mississippi.
Well, September the 22nd came, the first day of fall, first day of autumn. It came rather untriumphantly, if you ask me. It kind of just rolled in unannounced, even though this is the first day of the autumn season. It was hot. It was about 98 degrees. That's at least that's what my truck thermometer said. Doesn't feel like fall weather at all, if you ask me. It feels more like, more like something fit for the book of Revelation. September 24th, uh, just a few days ago, was the full moon. The full moon was ri- rising high above the world, northwest Florida and south Alabama. I went outside and I looked at it at night. It was sitting there amongst the purple sky, the silhouettes of the tall, long-leaf pines, furry at the tops, long, straight-shafted in the middle. And against that night sky, they resembled old elders, men who'd come before us. They resembled history. Some of these longleaf pines are not as old as you would think they are, but then if you wander into the forest, you're bound to see some longleaf pines that bear cat faces on them. Cat faces are what the turpentiners used to carve into the tree to get the sap from the longleaf pines. Their sap was then shipped off to the naval industry where it was turned into paint for, for wooden ships or Vicks vapor rub. My mother used to use Vicks vapor rub whenever a situation required some sort of tonic. She did everything with Vicks that you could think of doing. Once she, she rubbed it on my forehead when she thought that I had a fever, she thought it would bring it down. It did nothing but leave a red welt on my forehead. My mother used Vicks vapor rub on my backside one time. I had a rash that had developed right along my, my hind parts, and she rubbed Vicks Vapor Rub on my hind parts, and the rash spread from my hind parts all the way up to my middle back and down to my kneecaps. <laughs> Vicks Vapor Rub, product of longleaf pine and me, we go way back, way back. Fall is the time of year when you can see the squirrels out romping in the trees. They romp from one limb to another. They fly across open air with their arms outstretched and legs behind them and their tail pointed straight. They're beautiful creatures, if you ask me. They run along the contours of these trees, finding their little nooks where they're storing their food for the autumn and for the fall. There's not a whole lot of reason to store that much food here in northwest Florida, for we are green year-round. But don't tell the squirrels that because it would give them something, something to, to not do. They need things to do, not things not to do. I can remember my mother used to grow tomatoes. She was an avid, avid tomato gardener. In her backyard, she had these blue tires. They'd been painted blue. They were embedded halfway into the ground. She planted her heirloom tomatoes in the centers of these soil-filled tires, and the stalks shot straight up, and she would stake them with old pieces of wood from the hardware store, and she would tear a sheet into little two-foot-long thin strips and tie these plants to the stakes so that they grew in an upward, upward manner. And she'd pluck these tomatoes off, and she would find bite marks on the tomatoes. And my mother would say words which are not fitting for a deep-water Baptist. She did vicious battle with the local wildlife over the rights to these tomatoes, namely the squirrels. But she did not fear too much about this because she had a method. 
She had a device which had descended to her from her granddaddy's 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 granddaddy, a pesticide a recipe which was really red man chewing tobacco and water placed into a spritzer bottle and applied to the red skins of these tomatoes. It was, it was an effective thing. If you visited my mother's house in the afternoon, you could look high up into the longleaf pine branches and you could see the squirrels reclining, spitting. <laughs> Tomatoes were hard to grow around the squirrels because a squirrel, he just runs along and he takes life right there as it is. This is perhaps why they are, they're the kinds of animals who are not afraid of humans like other kinds of animals, they'll sometimes get right up next to you. My wife had a pet squirrel. She was eating chili cheese Fritos at the time, and the squirrel came right up her shoulder, reached into the bag of chili cheese Fritos, and wandered off with a handful of them little things in his hand. Sometimes I wonder if they aren't a little more enlightened than we are. They, they just plunge straight into the business of living, and this is... This is why you can see them flat in the, in the middle of the road. I've always, I've always romanticized this. As a child, I can remember telling my third grade teacher that I wanted to be a squirrel if I were reincarnated and reincarnation was a thing. I said, yes, I'd like to come back to this world as a squirrel. I even wrote a poem about it. She looked at me. Her head spun around 180 degrees. Her eyes became like holy flames. She opened up her mouth, and out of her mouth came what was like a fire hose pressure of, of Bible verses. Reincarnation, she said. And of course, I was taken by the earlobe down the hallway to Mr. Bower's office. Mr. Bauer was our principal. He was, he was a Methodist man. A Methodist man. He, Christian school, full of all sorts of denominations. Nobody, nobody doubted that a Methodist should serve as the principal like Mr. Bauer was. A Methodist would pull you up out of the gutter. That's, that's what I was taught to believe. A Methodist will pull you out of the gutter. A Baptist, well, he will save you. And a Presbyterian, they will educate you. And an Episcopal will introduce you to booze and high society. <laughs> and then the Methodist will come right behind the Episcopal and pick you up again. That's, that's the Methodist. He had an old paddle hanging on his wall. This paddle was made out of wood. And right, right on the front of it, it said, The Old General. Wood-burned letters, text running from the top to the bottom, the old general. The old general was a, a legend at our school, a legend. I had a few friends who were unfortunate enough to have a little meeting with the old general. I had a few friends. Wilson, my buddy, he was caught playing poker behind the school, behind the school during recess, and when he was caught, they said, because it was after school, he let out. They said, tomorrow you will show up to school, and you're going to get yourself a spanking, son, from the old general. 
My buddy Wilson went home and he cut up an old tire, a little piece of black swatch of rubber, and he put it in his, in his britches, and it fit the curvature of his behind just perfectly. And he came into school a little bit more padded than normal in his, in his slacks, and he walked to the principal's office very proud. And, and Mr. Bauer got the old general off the wall, and he commenced to whipping him, and they say it made an unnaturally loud pop when the pilot hit Wilson's hind parts. Thus, Wilson was sentenced to paint the school hallway on the weekend with our maintenance man, Brother Gary. My other buddy, Andrew, he'd also had a little visit, a little visit with the old general. Andrew was older than the rest of us. He'd repeated the third grade at least ten times. He got in trouble during class for trimming his beard whiskers in the middle of class. The teacher took him down to get himself whipped, and, and all the teachers pressed their ears against the door to see if Mr. Bauer would actually do it because, well, Andrew outweighed Mr. Bauer by at least 100 pounds. <laughs> I found myself in his office with the third grade teacher standing right there, and she was looking right at me with these holy, fiery eyes, just boring them into me. He said, what seems to be the problem? He removed his wire rim glasses, set them on the desk. He crossed his arms and he looked at me with a frown. Mr. Byer seemed like a terrible, terrible man sitting in that leather chair. She said, do you know what he said? He said, I can't imagine. I ain't never seen you in here before, Sean. You've never been a troublemaker. You always kept your head down, been a good kid. And she told him, she told him that I had admitted to her that I wouldn't mind being reincarnated as a squirrel. Now, any other woman, any other woman from any other denomination would have heard such a comment from a third grader and they might have turned their head and they might have just uh, thought it was cute and gave you a little, little pat on the back and said, hey, that's lovely. Would you go to your desk and draw a picture of, of, uh, of, of a squirrel parting the Red Sea? Draw a picture of, of a squirrel at the Last Supper with all his disciples. But, but she was not Episcopalian. My third grade teacher was a dyed-in-the-wool Pentecostal. Pentecostals are the kinds of people who spend more money on hairspray than they do on their electrical bill every month. She wore denim dresses that brushed the floor when she walked. She did not believe in reincarnation. He said, is that true? Did you say that? About being reincarnated as a squirrel? I said, yes, I did. He dismissed the teacher and she left. And he spun his chair around looking out that window, that giant window behind his desk. And I could see the top of his head. It was starting to, it was starting to bob up and down. And he spun around to look at me. And then he spun his chair back around to the window again, and I saw his head bob up and down. And in that moment, I thought, he's really had it now. He's really, he's really going to let me have it. And I looked on the wall, and I saw an embroidered piece of cloth in a wood and glass frame. And it said, fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nations. And I thought, dear Jesus, save me. <laughs> Mr. Bauer turned around, and I could see his face was plum red and he was suppressing a grin 
This grin was stretching from ear to ear and made his cheeks all swollen and, and puffy, and he seemed to be laughing. And it, with a glorious chuckle, he said, Did you really say that? That you wanted to come back as a squirrel? I said, Yes, sir. He said, Why not something else like a lion or a shark or a bear? Why a squirrel? And I said, Well, sir, we are what we are. He started to chuckle a little bit more. He said, I'm going to make you a deal. I ain't going to spank you. But you got to pretend like I did. (laughs) I said, what do you mean, sir? He said, it's just going to be our little secret. You make like I gave you a good swat. And you promise me that you will never, ever, ever, Say that you'd like to be reincarnated as a squirrel or write a poem about it like you did. Promise me? I said, not ever. He said, not unless you want that Pentecostal woman showing up on your doorstep with a torch in one hand and a pitchfork in the other. (laughs) I truly have admired Methodist people after this. There's something about their congregations that really does it for me. I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old, and I had an opportunity to play piano in the Methodist church because their regular piano player, Miss Betty, had broken her hip, and she had to have hip surgery. Up until then, the only experience I'd had with Methodist churches had been playing on the Methodist baseball team. I played on the Methodist baseball team for two years, and I was, I believe, looking back at my life, the long tragedy that was my life, I believe I am the reason they lost both those years the regional championship. I was also invited many times to go to the Blue Lake Methodist Camp on Father-Son weekends. I did not have a father. I was raised without one. And so some kind Methodist man and his son would invite me along and I would go accompany these boys and men to this camp and we would eat camp food and we would sing camp songs around a campfire looking out at the blue lake and getting totally demoralized by the local mosquitoes. (laughs) Methodists were good to me. Methodists were good to me. I decided that I would play piano in their church filling in for Miss Betty I showed up to a Wednesday night choir rehearsal. Never forget it. The rain was falling down like sheets upon the sheet metal roof. It was pelting the world around us. You could smell it on the asphalt parking lot. There's something about a summer rain that I love. I love the smell of of wet asphalt. I walked inside the Methodist church. I saw the tall stained glass windows adorning the sanctuary, shooting their multicolored designs all over the pews. It was a sunny day. The rain was raining just in front of the sun. My father used to call this the devil beating his wife. When I got in there, I saw 14 choir members sitting in a little choir loft, and there was a Mason Hamlin piano stained red mahogany with old keys and the lid was up and the music minister greeted me he said come on in come on in I understand you play the piano I said yes sir I do I learned how to play the piano in the Baptist church when I was nine years old nine years old I've been playing the piano my father bought one and he stuck it in the basement for me to practice he bought it out of a classified section of the newspaper he said well why don't you play me something and he opened up the hymnal he stuck it in front of me set it on that little music stand that Mason Hamlin piano and I looked at it 
It was just dots on the page to me. And he looked at me with a knowing look. He could tell that I was musically illiterate. I never did learn how to read music, but I knew hymns. I knew a lot of them. I knew hymns like, like, Precious Lord, take my hand, leave me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am whole. I knew songs like, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See by the portals, he's waiting and watching, calling, oh sinners, come home. Songs like there's room at the cross for you, or turn your eyes upon Jesus, or fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of the nations, or or there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Somebody is knocking at your door. How great thou art. In the fourth verse of Amazing Grace. But I could not read the notes on that page. He said, well, that's fine. That's fine. How about you just play me a little something? Just play me something. And so I thought real hard on the spot. And I chose... My grandmother's and my grandfather's favorite hymn, my mother's favorite hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I played with my little fingers stretching across that piano, and I looked into the choir loft and I saw 14 choir members leaning back they were looking at the ceiling, listening to the sound of that rain serenade my piano. And the music minister stood up and he walked down to that front pew and he sat down and he crossed his legs. He looked at the ceiling and the sound of the rain just continued. It was a beautiful, beautiful, rushing, whooshing sound. And by the time I got to the second verse of Old Rugged Cross, to the old rugged cross, will I ever be true? It's shame and reproach gladly bear. The people in the choir loft have begun singing with me. One voice, then another, then another, and another. Until the whole choir was singing spontaneous with me, the old rugged cross in harmony, the tenors hit their parts, the altos hit their parts, and the baritones and the sopranos and when I finished, the Methodist minister gave a small clap. He said, what a blessing, son. You're a blessing. Do you know that? I'd never felt like much of a blessing in my life before. I grew up without a, without a whole lot of confidence. I filled in for them for that whole month, Sundays, four Sundays in the month, four Wednesdays in the month, along with the choir practice. I got a little bit better playing the piano, too. I was able to play songs in different keys, whereas before I'd, I'd had a little hard time playing the key of E or A because these keys are difficult keys. E has four sharps in it. A has three sharps in it. This means your fingers have to do gymnastics in order to reach the black keys. 
And I was repaid not with money from the Methodist people. I was repaid with casserole dishes, cookies, oatmeal raisin, chocolate chip. I was paid with pound cakes. And I was even paid one, by one tenor who came down out of the choir loft after everybody else had left. He handed me a mason jar of clear liquid. <laughs> he said, if you tell anybody I gave this to you, I'll deny it flat out. It was the, uh, the beginning of autumn, September, when I finished my first book, my very, very first book. It was a collection of short stories, many of which you have read here tonight. They're so painful and mediocre in my mind that I can't even believe I put them on the paper. I, I took out all the money in my savings account to help put this book together. Publishing a book yourself is not easy and it's not cheap. It kind of put me into the hole a little bit and I wondered if I was doing the right thing or not. Confidence, like I said, I don't have it. Leaping from one limb to the next in life takes confidence. Takes confidence. Rushing from one side of the street to the other across that busy highway to see if you get across without getting flattened takes real confidence. But I published that book. In some ways, someone could say that that was like jumping from one limb to another on the longleaf pines. A few days later, I think truly it was like four days later, I got an email. Got an email from a man whose email address was Methodist11115 at somethingmail.com. The message said, I heard you published a book, and I'd like to order 20 of them from a Methodist men's Bible study group. I about fell off my chair. I wrote him back. I said, are you sure you've got the right guy? Nobody had ever wanted to hear anything I said before. Nobody had ever cared a thing about the words that I utter. I still can't believe you're listening to him here tonight. I said, listen, I'm going to give these books to you for free because I'm, I'm so flattered that you even have an interest in what I do. I packaged them up in a box, gift wrapped them, sent them on, sent them on. And about three days later, I got a check in the mail for the sum total of those books and then a whole lot more. And on the bottom it said, my favorite story in this book was the one you wrote about wanting to be reincarnated as a squirrel. Signed, Mr. Bauer. When I die, I want to come back as a squirrel because a squirrel seems like a mighty fine thing to be. A squirrel is never broke, but he is also not wealthy. He cannot have a mortgage, and he can't take a selfie. But he can run and he can play in an old pine tree, and he can dangle from a limb like a chimpanzee. And if he falls, brother, after all, at least he ain't a pig whose skin is on an old football. When I die, I want to come back as a squirrel, not an angel, not a preacher, nor a CEO. I can't go running, and I can't go swimming. I won't be one of the men, won't be none of the women. But when I die, I want to come back as a squirrel instead of silly old me. 
That's what a third grader once wrote named Sean Dietrich. Hey, thanks for having me here tonight. It's been a true pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, it has been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. Hope you join us next week, and perhaps even a week after that if you ain't got nothing going on. That music here behind me today was the heartfelt, energetic, and down-home music of the Barefoot Movement. These guys were heralded by CMT Edge as one of the most promising bands on the bluegrass scene. The music from this Nashville-based group is as down-to-earth as their intentions for the members of their audience. Sit back, relax. Like to take your shoes off and listen to their music at the Barefoot Movement Official.com or look them up on Apple Music, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and any other platform you can think of. These guys are worth your time. To find out anything more about what I do, you can visit Sean of the South Show.com and there you can find every episode we've ever recorded, starting from the first one all the way to this one you just heard. And while you're there, I hope you take the time to drop me a line, send me a message because I love to hear things from my friends. Tell me about your birthday announcements, wedding invitations, grandparents' anniversaries, church potlucks, ice cream socials, and any other thing you can think of. And I'll do my best to read it over there if I have time because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And speaking of friends, friends, don't count the days. Make the days count. Adios. Adios.